Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting digital. Now, let's tune in to the message for today. Listen, man. Awesome. It's a great day at the Rockwall campus. Good morning, Lake Point family. If y'all got your Bibles, would you head over to Exodus 13? Would you do that right now? And uh, man, it's so great to be with y'all. Uh, hey, this is, um, this is week two of a series I am so excited about that we are calling A Blessed Life. And just I, I want to remind you of this. A lot of this content is coming from a book that I read in 2008 by a guy named Robert Morris. The title of the book is The Blessed Life. And I'm doing that because I like it. Whenever I get good Bible teaching, I want to share it with you. And as you're going to hear later in this message, like this pretty radically changed me and Jana's life. And so I just need you to know that. Now, um, as we head into uh, the message, uh, I, want, I want to, let me just, I want to read it to you so I get it right. So, so let me, here's my transition. I love this story. A man's mother-in-law, a man from America's mother-in-law dies on a trip to Jerusalem. They take her to the funeral director. The funeral director explains it'll cost $5,000 to ship her back, or you can bury her here for a hundred bucks. Which one do you want? And the man says he needs time to consider it. The man comes back and he says, actually, we'll pay the 5000 to ship her back to America. And the funeral director in Israel was, was deeply moved. He said, wow, you must have really, really loved your mother-in-law. And the man said, actually, no. He said, I heard of a case here a few years ago where somebody was buried, but three days later they were raised from the dead and I just can't take that chance. That's what he said. <laughs> All right, now... What we're doing is we're in this series uh, called A Blessed Life and talking about our finances, blessing and finances. And that story just ties the themes together. And so there it is. Now, what I want to say before I get into the message, this is um, what I believe is the best message I can give you. I'm not saying it's the best message you can get. I'm saying it's the best message I can give you. And you're going to see why I say that because of my, my testimony here uh, later in, in, the, uh, in the message. But let me just start like this. I'm preaching a principle today that we're going to call the principle of the first. And it's a principle that you see woven all throughout the Bible. Um, and, and there's a lot of promises attached to it. Let me say the principle and then we're just going to get right at it. So here's the principle. The principle is when we put God first in our lives, everything else can come into order. But when God is not first in our lives, it's impossible for everything else to come into order. Now listen, a quick caveat. I am not saying that when you put God first, you won't have any trouble in your life. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm not saying you won't have any trouble. What I am saying, let me just ask you a question. When you go through trouble, would you rather go through trouble with your life in order and with the blessing of God or without it? with it. 
And this, is, this principle is when you put God first, everything in your life comes into order. If he's not first, things can't come into order. Now, I'm gonna show it to you in a passage. You, 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 you Bible nerds like me, you're gonna love this. It's a principle you've never seen it in this passage before. And it's kind of thing that blows your mind. This is Exodus 13. Now you're gonna notice a word that is a heavy theme from God in this verse, this passage. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate. Consecrate is a word that means set apart. Set apart to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. Notice this declarative statement. The first is mine, belongs to God. Now, skip down to verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all the first that opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every first, are are y'all noticing a theme? (laughs) Firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem of the lamb. Now I'm gonna explain why it talks about those specific two animals here in a second. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Now I just wanna say this. You'll understand why I'm saying this later in the message. What this is saying is if you don't return the first to God, you're gonna lose it anyway. So if you don't return the first, you're gonna lose it anyway. So you might as well return the first to God so the rest can be blessed. That's what it's saying. Every firstborn of a man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now, if you're a note taker, here's principle number one. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what it's saying. Now, here's your question. You, if you're practical like me, you're going, great, must be sacrificed or redeemed. Which one? How do I know which one do I do? Now, let's get a little theological really quick. Um, This passage, it talked about two animals, lambs and donkeys. And these two animals are representative of two classifications of animals in the Old Testament law. A donkey represented unclean animals and a lamb represented clean animals. Okay, so what it's saying is, get the principle. If your clean animal has a firstborn, sacrifice it to the Lord. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, it's gotta be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean, all right? Now, you may be going, Josh, what in the world does this have to do with me today at all? Okay, well, um, let me talk about the way you and me were born and the way, uh, what this represents. So pop quiz class, I want you to answer out loud. Um, Were you and me, spiritually speaking, were you and me born clean or unclean, spiritually speaking? Unclean, great, okay, good. You're one for one on the theology test. We were born unclean. The Bible says that everyone everywhere was born with a bent to sin. We call that a sin nature, is what theologians call it, a sin nature. Now, if you're skeptical of the fact that we were born with a sin nature, I can prove it to you. And actually, I'm not gonna prove it to you. I'm gonna ask some people in the room to prove it to you. I can prove it to you by asking the experts in the room, the parents. Parents, let me ask you, I want you to answer out loud. Parents, let me ask you this question out loud. Did you have to teach your children to be bad or did it come naturally to them? Naturally, that was a very emphatic answer, by the way. I just want to point that out. It came naturally to them. And, uh, and a lot of times you have one that it comes a little more naturally to. Hudson, Hudson, Hudson. Okay, now this is what we got. So we were born unclean. Just prove that. We were born unclean. Now, let me ask you another question. Pop quiz, answer out loud class. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. 
Good job. Okay, now listen. Here's the principle. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Did you see that? It's right, isn't that amazing? That's right there in that passage. Now, we're gonna relate this principle to money and to tithing. And listen, here's what bothers me. It hurts me when people speak negatively about tithing because I don't think they understand the principle behind it. Do you guys understand this? Jesus was God's tithe because you give the tithe first. Why do you think the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn? Why does the Bible call Jesus the first fruits of all creation? And think about this. God didn't wait until we cleaned ourselves up to sacrifice his son and give his son. He gave his son while we were spitting on him and cursing him and nailing him to a cross. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's the way you give the tithe. You give the tithe first. Did you notice in this passage in Exodus 13, it didn't say, hey, if you're a rancher, wait until your animal has all of its offspring, all 10 of them, and then you can give me the one you don't like that keeps pooping on your front porch. (laughs) It didn't say that. No, it said to give the first. Why did it say that? Because it takes faith to give the first. And God wants you to walk in faith. Now, um, if, 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 you'll see this principle everywhere. This is a true story with uh, names changed to protect the guilty. True story from Lake Point. There's a longtime life group leader at Lake Point that many years ago, God saved this guy like 20, 30 years ago uh, here at Lake Point. And he was a businessman and, uh, and he, he kind of saw this in the scripture and he started tithing in obedience to the Lord. And, uh, and at that time, his income was like $70,000. So $7,000. And, uh, and so he started doing that. Well, because he, you know, he uh, obeyed God's principles with money and the Lord blessed him. And over the years, like his income grew until the spot where eventually he was making like $400,000 a year. And so he grabbed back then, um, the pastor of our church's name was Pastor Steve Strew. He's a legend. We call him our grand pastor now. You know, that, that's what I, oh, I call him. I just talked to him right before this service. And Pastor Steve uh, was his pastor and so this man came out in the lobby one time and he said, Pastor Steve, I just, listen, I can't keep doing this. When I first started returning the first to God, it was, you know, it was a manageable amount. I made $7,000. But now, Steve, I'm making a lot more. This is like $40,000. I can't keep doing this. And Steve just immediately said, oh, uh, John, let me pray with you. And he just said, dear Lord, please shrink John's income back down to where it used to be so that he can afford to obey you. And John, no, 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 I'll do the first. I'll do the first. I'll do the first. He said, You see, this is the the, the point is that it takes faith to give the first. And you'll see this principle, here's the principle. You'll see this principle everywhere in the Bible that the first must be offered. Why? Because God's first. Now, I'm gonna show this to you. So for instance, this is Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your possessions so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Okay, um, I'll give you another one for you, uh, theo- theology and Bible nerds. I'll give you one you probably never noticed before in the scriptures. So, uh, so when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River into Canaan, they conquered Jericho. And when they conquered Jericho, God gave them a command to, quote, return all of the silver and gold back to the house of the Lord. By the way, that's always where it says the tithe goes, back to the house of the Lord. So it said all, bring all the tithe back to the house of the Lord. Now, let me ask you this question, pop quiz class. Some of you are going, wait, why did he say all? Why didn't he say 10%? Because Jericho was the first city. 
You see, the first gets returned to God so that then the rest are redeemed and blessed. Let me show you another one. This is uh, Exodus 23, 19. But the first of the first fruits, in other words, God's highlighting, first is what matters. You shall, I don't want to point this out, you shall bring. Now, have you ever noticed this? Whenever God talks about the tithe in the Bible, he doesn't use the word give, he uses the word bring. Why? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it back to the owner. So he's saying, bring, bring the first into the house of the Lord your God, okay? Now, uh, let, me, let me just do one other one. Um, here, here's one, so when I was in, here's a, here's a really common theology question that people like to debate. And it's kind of really interesting. You may have talked about this in a life group at some point. Uh, the question is, people go back to Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, and they'll ask the question, huh, why did God accept uh, Abel's offering and reject Cain's offering? You know why? And a lot of people say, well, I don't know. Uh, but what some people do is they say, well, maybe it was because Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer and God likes meat more than vegetables, which is true, but that's not why. Okay. <laughs> Um, actually, what's interesting is you guys, you don't have to be a seminary professor to figure this out. I'm gonna read you the passage and you see, you'll immediately see it. You'll immediately know why God accepted Abel's and rejected Cain's. Let me read this to you. Uh, Genesis 4, starting in verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass. So in other words, eventually, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord but Abel also brought of the, and I want you to say the yellow word out loud, brought of the f- firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did y'all see it? Y'all see it was right there. One brought the first and God respected it. And one waited until the end and brought the leftovers and the Bible says that God didn't accept Cain's offering. Now, I actually want to, let's do a little theology. I want to go a layer deeper. And I'm going to say it's not just that God didn't accept Cain's offering. I'm actually going to say that in one sense, God couldn't accept Cain's offering. Okay. Now, some of you will hear that and you go, now, no, wait a second, Josh. Um, God's all powerful. God can do anything. What do you mean he couldn't accept Cain's offering? Well, yes, God is all powerful and he, he can do anything. But watch this. He can do anything that doesn't violate his character. That's really important. God can't violate his own character. So for instance, did you know there are some things the Bible says God can't do? Um, For instance, the Bible says that God can't lie. God can't lie because he is truth. See, he can't violate his character. Uh, I'll give you another one. Um, The Bible says that God can't change. Uh, theologians call this the immutability of God. God can't change because if God could change, he could get better and he can't get any better because he's already best. God can't change. You see that? That's it. Um, I'll I'll give you a a couple more. Um, God can't, the Bible says, think like we think. God says, for your thoughts are not my thoughts. I can't think like you. Uh, Theologians call this the omniscience of God. Omni means all science in Latin. It means knowledge, all knowledge. So what that means is he can't think like that. When you and me are thinking, we're thinking about like a thing. But God's omniscient. When God's thinking, he's thinking about everything that has ever happened, is happening, or will ever happen at the same time. Now, 
If you try to think about that this week, you're going to trip a breaker. That's what's going to happen. You can't do that. Okay. Uh, let me say this another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. That's never happened. God has never gone, God's never done this. He's never gone, you know what I just thought of? I can't, I, can't, I just had this amazing thought. I've never thought of this. It's amazing. This thing just dawned on me. That's amazing. Uh, here's another way to say it. Um, no one has ever told God something that made him go, oh, my self. That has never happened. Never, ever, ever in history has that happened. So God can't think like we think. Now, let me do one last one. God can't be second. Theologians call this the preeminence of God. You see, and God can't be second because he's first of all, he's above all, and he is before all things. You see that? So he couldn't accept Cain's offering in one sense because Cain didn't put him first. Now, can I just say this real quick? Let me give a caveat here. Just because you don't put him first in your life, he's still first in the universe. Your order doesn't change his order. He's preeminent. Now, now, so, but you saw that. It's right there. Here's why. Now, this is the spot in the sermon where like, just, just for some like Bible nerds, I need to do something. Because whenever I talk about this, about the tithe being returning the firsts to the Lord, what a lot of people do is, is some, some, some kind of Bible nerds, what they'll do is they go, no, wait a second, Josh. The tithe returning the first, that was under the Old Testament law. And we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. Well, can I just point something out? Cain and Abel, y'all, that was 2,500 years before the law. Abraham paid, uh, gave tithes to Melchizedek 500 years before the law. Then God articulated this principle of because he's first, we return the first in the law. And now let me ask you this question, okay? If Jesus, can I just ask you this? If Jesus told you that you should tithe, that you should return the first to God, if Jesus told you you should do that, would you do it? Now let me just say that was a really discouraging answer from a group of thousands of Christians. So let, let me try again. If Jesus told you you should do this, would you do it? Okay, well, this is Matthew 23, 23. You should tithe, yes. And now, this has been a great sermon, and y'all are great. Now, this is Jesus. This is Jesus saying you should tithe, but do not neglect the more important things. Let me give you a little context here. There was this group of people called the Pharisees and they were like super careful to tithe on everything. Like literally tithing off the spices on their spice rack in the kitchen. The first tenth back to the house of the Lord, but they were neglecting and avoiding some of the weightier parts of following Jesus. Justice, mercy, and faith. Now, Jesus could, think about this. What Jesus could have said is, oh, God didn't care about your money. He just wants your heart. That stuff doesn't matter. You know, he, he just wants your emotions. He just needs you to be first in his life. Don't worry about the other. But that's not what he said. Instead, he said, you should tithe, yes. But do not neglect these other more important things. It'd be like me saying this. Hey, um, if you come to church, you should wear a shirt and shoes. But do not neglect to wear pants. Okay, you know, you wear a shirt and shoes, that keeps you from getting sunburned, from burning your feet on the asphalt. But if you don't wear pants, you're going to jail, okay? Now you see this, so this is what Jesus is doing. He's doing, he's, hey, hey, you, listen, do, do all of it. 
is Jesus. So Jesus, so you see this, 2,500 years before the law, there's this principle. 500 years before the law, there's this principle. It's articulated in the law. Jesus reaffirms it himself out of his own mouth. And the same principle is all throughout the New Testament. I could show, you, show it to you in a lot of, but every, this is a, I'm not talking about a law. I'm talking about the principle of returning our first to God because he is first. Now, um, if this is not making sense, um, because a lot of us, uh, we're not ranchers or farmers. So I'm gonna do a math illustration, which means I'm gonna gain half of you and lose half of you, and I'm willing to pay that price, okay? Here's a, here's a math illustration. So because we're not ranchers or farmers, let's say that you're a landscaper, and I contract you to come to our house uh, to put in you know, more bushes or, or more flowers. Right, let's be really honest. Jana contracts you to come to our house and put, you know, put in more bushes or flowers. And you come, and you, this is important. The Bible says that you tithe on the increase. So you tithe on the profit. So, you know, after you pay your workers and materials cost and gasoline and all that stuff, uh, what you're left with is $1,000 of profit. Tithe means 10th. It means 10%. So how much is a tithe of $1,000? $100, great. Rockwall Campus, you're brilliant. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's great. Okay, now, now, but here's the real question. So let's say you've got 10 $100 bills, class, which one is the tithe? Which one? That's it. You got, actually, you did a lot better than I thought. It's the first one. The first one to leave your hand. It's the first one. Now, um, you don't get legalistic with this. So let me give you an example. Uh, in our family, as you're going to see here in a second, there's a reason for this. Like, we deeply believe that God is telling the truth about everything he says uh, about these things. So what we do is, in our family, our, our little motto is that we automate what's important, and we do that in all aspects of the Howerton house. If it's important, we put it on the schedule, and we set it, and we forget it. If it's important, we put it in our budget, and we set it, and forget it. That's how, we prioritize what's important by automating what's important. That's a Howerton family motto, okay? So what we do with our tithe, that's our first, is when we sit down to make the budget, that's the first thing on the spreadsheet, and then we automate it. We set up the electronic giving so that it's the first, it's auto withdraw. It's the first thing out of our bank account each month, first, okay? Now, here's my analogy. Let's say uh, on the first of the month, I wake up and uh, I you know, come out of the bedroom and for, for it, it is a very strange day. Has happened two or three times in our whole marriage. Jana woke up before me that day. And Jana, that, I'm, a, I'm an early riser. So Jana uh, is up and, and for some, I walk out into the kitchen on the first day of the month and Jana, I see a little Tom Thumb bag on the counter early in the morning. Jana, we were out of eggs and she went to get eggs and bacon, praise Jesus from Tom Thumb. She brought it back and she just felt like cooking breakfast. And I realized that she bought those groceries before our automatic withdrawal of our tithe went out. Do you know what I'm not gonna say? I'm not gonna say, well, that's great, babe. Now we're cursed. <laughs> you just ruined everything. You removed the blessing. Babe, you ruined it. No, no, I'm not gonna say that. Don't get legalistic with this. It's the first in your heart, the first priority uh, in, in your life. So let me just say something that's got a, a bit of an edge to it, but like, listen, you guys always tell me, I just love that you're a pastor that just tells us what the Bible says, tells us like it is. 
okay, you know? Okay, so, so here we go. Let me just say this. If you go home and it's like, okay, with your, your funds, your money, you go, well, I'm gonna spend some at Nordstrom's and then let's start apart some for the mortgage and some for the food and some for clothes. And then what's left is God's part. That's not God's part. You gave God's part to Nordstrom's. You see, God says this in Malachi 1. He says, you bring me animals that are blind and lame. In other words, you waited until the end and chose the things that you had left over to give me. He says, you bring me animals that are blind and lame. I do not receive it. So let me just ask you a question. In your heart, is God first? And a lot of people that don't tithe, they say, well, in my heart, God's first. But, but, but wait, Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So guys, we can say all day long that God is first in our heart. If he's not first in our finances, he's not first. He's not. Now, here's the objection. And I I know some of you are feeling this right now. And as you're going to see here here in just about two minutes, I've been there. Some of you, what you're saying right now is you're like, man, you you see it in the Bible. You're going, okay, it's right there. Jesus said, I see I do see it, Josh. But you're going, man, guys, I would love to tithe. I just can't afford to tithe. Now, again, I'm going to say something with a bit of an edge, but but listen, I want to help you. Just check this out. What some of you need to hear is you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. See, this is how this works. Now, here's why. Why? Because the Bible says that when we return the first to God, the rest is blessed and the rest is redeemed. Now, some of you are like, oh, that's crazy TV preacher stuff. No, no, it's not. I'm listen, I am reading you the Bible. We, we read it a second ago, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your possessions. So, in other words, if you do that, then this. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Uh, Luke 6, 38, Jesus said it like this. He said, give, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Malachi 3, I can do this. Let me just, this is the last one, Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the house of God. That in the New Testament, it's the local church. That there may be food in my house. And it says, test me in this. This is the one thing in the whole Bible that God says, you're allowed to test me in this. He actually forbids testing him in any other area. But on this one thing, he says, test me in this. It says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. So can, let me just, can I just say something to you that like people who have walked in faith in this, here's what all of them are gonna tell you, man. What you're seeing is that God and 90% of your income can do more than you and 100% of your income. See, that's the problem. And listen, these people that are, what you just heard, those are the people who have seen this. They're bearing testimony to that reality that that God's faithful. Now, some of you, here's what you're feeling right now. You're going, oh. So you're like, man, I see it. I see the promises. I see all of it. But you're going, why, Josh, did God invent this? And I just want to point this out because some people do this. Uh, a, A church did not invent this. A pastor did not invent this. God, I just read, God invented tithing. So you're going, why did God invent tithing? Well, here's why. This is so important. Listen, listen, listen. God invented tithing to teach you and your children to walk by faith. That's why. See, he said to give the first fruits. It doesn't take faith for a farmer to wait to see how much comes in and give the last. It takes faith to give the first. 
He said, give the firstborn. Doesn't take faith to wait to see how many are born and give the last. It takes faith to give the first. He invented this principle to teach you and your children walk by faith. I wish I had a whole sermon to teach on this, but, but listen, it's not actually just the funds that result in the blessing. The faith is what enacts the blessing. This is what he's, he's doing this to teach you and your children to walk by faith. Now, let me show you one more passage and then we're done. This is Exodus 13, uh, t- talking about uh, th- th- this uh, principle of the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. It says this, and when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? In other words, he's saying, hey, eventually there's gonna come a day for an ancient Israelite family when your kids get old enough that they go, why are y'all killing all these animals? So when your son gets to the spot where he's old enough to ask you that question, you shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt and from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, first open the womb. Now, let let me just bring this into modern day. So imagine this, um, there's an ancient Israelite family and there's a little boy and he grows up and uh, his dad's a successful businessman, owns a business, he's a rancher. And his dad comes in one day and he's like, kids, you gotta come see this. Little Bessie just gave birth to her first calf ever, her first cow ever. You got, y'all gotta come see this. And she all rush out, you, you and your, your siblings rush out and, and it's, oh, it's just so pretty. It's such a pretty, beautiful, you know, little calf. And the circle of life, isn't she cute? And, and your dad says, oh, man, look at her. Isn't she beautiful? And you're like, yes. And then your dad says, stand back, son. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's get her in heaven. And then your dad just reaches out and snaps the neck of this little, this little cow. And immediately you think, don't mess with dad. That's what you think. I'm not going to mess with dad. Well, you grow up. And you see this over and over, is that every time an animal has a firstborn, he sacrifices it to the Lord. Well, fast forward, and eventually there comes a day where dad's aging out, and dad's going to hand over the family business to his son. And the son's been looking over the books, and and so the son's been pouring into this stuff. And then one day, uh, the son sees something in the books, and he realizes he's got to talk to dad. So he comes into dad's study, and dad's working, and he says, Dad, um, I need to have a conversation with you. Dad, uh, I really don't know how to talk to you about this. Uh, Dad, I've been going over the books. I'm seeing something really, really weird. And Dad, uh, again, I, I don't know how to, how to say this to you. Uh, Dad, everybody's got blind spots. But Dad, um, I've been looking over the books, and um, every time one of our animals has a firstborn, you, man, how do I say this? You kill it. And Dad, this is really cutting into our profits. Uh, Dad, actually, you've killed 72 animals just this year. And then the son just goes, dad, why in the world are you doing this? And God says, when your son asks that question, here's what I want you to say. That dad says to the son, "Um, son, there's something that you don't know about me and your mother that you need to know. Uh, Son, we didn't used to have all this stuff. Actually, Actually, son, before you were born, we were slaves. We were slaves in a foreign land, and some we didn't have anything, and we had no way of freeing ourselves. But God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, 
he redeemed us from slavery. And he blessed us with everything that we have. And so, son, me and your mother, we gladly return the first to the one that gave us everything. We gladly do that. Now, check this out, okay? That happened 4,000 years ago. I had something very similar happen in my life, but I was the son. I've alluded to this. So uh, when Jan and I um, first got married, uh, I was a, we were a single-income family, and I was a rural, uh, a rural Baptist church's youth pastor. Now, I don't know if y'all are aware of the economic situation of, of that, but a, a single-income family, rural Baptist church youth pastor, you ain't knocking it down. Let me just say it like that. But, but I'm a budget guy and I'm an order guy. That's just how I, I like, I need things to be in order and I like budgets to be balanced. That's right. And so, you know, we sat down, Jan and I just got married. We we're 22 years old and we're looking at the budget and here's what's, here's what's coming in and here's what's going out. And the problem was what was going out was more than what was coming in. And we were working. So I was taking extra speaking things. Janet was working gigs on the side, but it was really tight. And we had, we had to decide, well, how are we going to, what are we going to do right now? Now, in that moment, I'm 22 and I'm newly married. And I think, oh man, I've heard a lot of stories about my parents when they had first got married. And what you need to know about my parents, my parents attend this church. My parents are two of the most solid, loving people of rock solid faith in Jesus you will ever meet. And I grew up seeing that my entire life. And my parents' story is my dad was radically saved in college out of, out of some, some, you know, some things that, that he needed saving from. And, uh, and when my dad got saved, it was a radical salvation. And he just, from then on, he was all in with Jesus. And he and mom eloped. They got married in college. And, uh, and they, they, they were sort of, in some ways, forced into that situation. I don't have time for that whole background. But they, had this, they were both full-time college students. And they were working extra side gigs, trying to do what they could. But they, they didn't have, they were, they were, they were, uh, they actually, they qualified for government assistance. And they were doing everything that they could, but they had the same situation. What's going out is more than what's coming in. What are we going to do? And my, my parents, as teenagers, newly married teenagers, they made a decision, no matter what, we're going to trust God and we'll return the first to him. And growing up as a kid, I heard all these stories. They would tell us this story over and over at the dinner table. And they would just tell us, guys, we did it. And we don't know how it worked, but it worked. Every month, somebody would show up and they'd have a check in the mail. Or they'd slide us some cash or give me a $100 handshake. Or I'd get a a chance to minister somewhere. Or somebody would drop off groceries. And y'all, we don't know how it worked, but it worked. And it worked because our God is faithful and you can trust God. And I was 22 years old and I was looking at our budget. And I remembered those stories. And I was the son who was asking in time to come, why did they do that? And Jan and I, we made that decision when we were 22 years old and hadn't been blessed with much. We were like, I'm gonna make the same faith decision my parents did. And babe, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start by returning the first to God. Now, what you're getting ready to see is... um, it's an entry out of, this is my journal from 2005 and 2006. It's all frayed and messed up. And this is the year we got married. Now, what you're getting ready to see is um, I had read the Bible that God said, you can test me in this. So as soon as we made that decision, I was like, all right, I'm holding you to this. And so I wrote on the top of a page, God's financial faithfulness. And then for the next little season, every time God provided for us in an unexpected or miraculous way, I wrote it down because I wanted to have a testimony of his faithfulness. And y'all, it just immediately, just thing after thing after thing after thing, it didn't make any sense, but it just always worked. 
Like I'll, I'll get my favorite one. It's you, now you can't read any of this because I don't write in English. I write in Josh. <laughs> but my favorite one is the second one is uh, we lived in this little condo, this tiny little condo. And, uh, and the previous owners of the condo had apparently overpaid the tax, property taxes on the condo by $730. And there was, at that time where we lived, there was some statute of limitations or some government deal where if the government couldn't get in touch with the previous owners of the condo who had overpaid the taxes, the, after a statute of limitations of trying to find them, the government was required to return the overpaid taxes to the current owners of the condo. So do y'all know how powerful God is? He is so powerful. The government paid taxes to me. That's how powerful God is. That, 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 so this, this day was $730. Y'all, there was the next one. Uh, there, there was like a, a little $25 where years earlier I had overpaid a parking ticket. And that, not that I would ever be the type of person who would get a parking ticket or a ticket of any kind. But uh, they returned it. It was $25. And you may go, oh, $25. Y'all, $25 was a big deal to us. B- big deal. At that, I'm not joking. At that time, this is not a joke. At that time, a date night for me and Jana was I got to upsize my McDonald's value meal. I'm not joking. We had, listen, we had this little car. It was an $800 Pontiac Grand Am. Y'all, we love that car. We prayed over that car. We anointed it with oil about a quart a week. You know, if you know what I mean? And, well, I mean, just everything. But it was just like, it, there was just thing after thing after thing. There was, there's a, the $25 one right in the middle. You can't say this. We got $3 back one month from the phone company from a phone bill that we'd overpaid or much earlier. I'm writing down $3 things just because it's like, man, that stuff mattered. But watch this. If you add all this stuff up, when I was done, I wrote this in 2006. I was 23 years old and I had taken this huge step of faith in my life to put God first. And what I wrote down when I was done is, all this is far more than we gave away. You will never convince me that my God is not faithful. You will never convince me of that. And listen, listen, man, here's what I want for you. I want you and your children and your grandchildren to grow up going, you will never convince me that my God is not faithful. That's what I want. This teaches us to walk by faith. So I'm gonna end with some very practical steps, man. What some of you need to do is for the first time in your life ever, you need to make a decision to put God first in your finances by returning the first to him. For some of you, like you'll even see it on the seat in front of you. There's like a little deal that says automate what's important or automate your giving, or you can text give to zero four. You need to set that up. Now, here's what I know. Some of you right now, you're going, here it comes. Church just wants my money. No, no, listen. If that's your deal, tithe somewhere else. Tithe somewhere else. I just want you to obey God so that you can see this blessing and his faithfulness in your life. And listen, can I just say this? Listen, I think in your heart of hearts, you know the church doesn't just want your money. We didn't sell you tickets to get in today. Now, listen, you dropped your kids off in the kids' ministry, and what other organization is keeping your kids for absolutely no payment whatsoever for hours upon hours upon hours? Nobody's doing that, man. We're not kicking you out if you're not getting. Some of you, you, have, you, you are receiving ministry from a place and that other people are funding, and you've been doing that for years. And listen, we are happy to do that for you for years if that's what it takes to bless you. I just want you to experience the faithfulness of God and for you and your children to learn to walk by faith. So this is some of you for the first time in your life. 
You need to take that step to put God, return the first of your finances to him. Now, some of you right now, just really practically, it, you're, you're like, man, I've got a huge mess. It's dead. I don't know how to do a budget. Listen, we want to bless you and help you. We are starting Financial Peace University life groups at every campus. That's coming up. Jan and I did it when we first got married. And you can, so check this out. I'm going to give you action steps. If you need to set up giving for the first time in your life, you can text the word give to 2041. You can set it up there. If you need to enroll in Financial Peace University, a life group, you can text the word group to 2041. And listen, here's how much we want to bless you. That thing, I think it's like $40 or something like that. If you graduate from FPU, we will return all of your money to you that it costs to get in because we just want to bless you. That's all we want, man. So this is what I'm praying that God begins to do in your life. And and I I wanna pray it into your heart right now. And so will you pray with me, please? And so, Heavenly Father, thank you so much just that you've been so faithful to me, Lord. Just like your word says, there's one thing I've never seen. I've never seen Somebody in their old age say that God failed them. I've never seen it, man. I've ne- you have just been faithful, Lord. And so God, I, I pray for these people that many of them would for the first time in their life begin to walk by faith. Lord, for the people that you've just blessed super abundantly. And some of them have forgotten that actually their super abundant blessing came from you. And they need to go back to this principle that maybe they forgot in the midst of all of their blessing. But Lord, what I want more than anything is faith to rise. I want people's faith to rise in their hearts. And so God, would you please do it by the power of your spirit? I pray it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. slash